You're listening to Chickens Can't See Cubes, the podcast all about absolutely 100% true facts that are not made up. I'm your host, Piper Dawes, and with me as always is Christopher Parr, director of the Munchausen Institute for Totally Real Research. Hi, Chris. Hello. Chris has gathered his favourite facts from the Institute's activity this week, and he's going to share them with us today. Uh, So what's been keeping you out of trouble this week, Chris? Um, The police and my own private sense of morality. Well, I'm glad to hear that you've got one. Chris, would you would you like to, would you, you fancy doing some facts? Yeah, why not? In the words of George Taylor, if he were an academic and not a misanthropic astronaut who finds himself stranded on a planet of apes, the lucky bastard. Oh my god. I'm back. I'm home. All the time it was. We finally really did it. You maniacs! You blew it up. Damn you. God damn you all to facts. <laughs> I'm very happy to be given the responsibility of thinking up an intro for each fact we do. It's um, it's a privilege. Uh, and it's prime it's prime podcast time. So I've uh, I've got to make sure that I oh that's all the all the time I have. Uh, fact 1 go. Okay. Oh, if you didn't like that, they're all going to be like that. I'm really sorry. Are they all based around a self-imposed arbitrary time limit? Yes. (sighs) It's going to be a long episode. (laughs) Well, not that long. (laughs) A town to combat Y2K has never moved beyond 1999. Y2K, or the Millennium Bug, was a theoretical apocalyptic scenario that would cause chaos in important but out-of-date software at the turn of the millennium. Obviously, it never happened, but the, for those but those of us who remember, live with the trauma of it every day, don't we, Chris? Uh, well, you might, but I, um, I got over it a long time ago. Okay, well, I mean, I, I take a little longer than some people, I guess. So tell us about this town, because I'm not really sure I fully understand the concept. Okay, well, I've not explained the concept yet, so... Ah, that was, that'll be <laughs> it. Then, yeah. So the town of Yvonne in Washington, USA... A very small town with a population of under 100 people, most of them aged over 65, had by 1999 accrued a number of computers, most notably in the sheriff's and mayor's offices. And like most people with computers in 1999, they were concerned about Y2K. The idea that when the two-digit dates on their computers changed from 99 to 00, all sorts of problems would arise. But unlike most other people who at least vaguely understood the basic mechanics of the Y2K problem, um, it's not actually theoretical, as you said in your intro, Piper, it was an actual concern. The idea that the change from 99 to 00 could create logic problems in machines which assume that dates are comprised of always ascending numbers. And so moving from 99 to 00 would break the logic. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not like me to get something slightly wrong. The residents of Yvonne mistakenly believed that on the 1st of January 2000, their computers would see that their dates had changed to 00, assume that it was now 1900, realise that computers hadn't been invented yet, suffer a crippling existential crisis, and cease functioning in order to safeguard the space-time continuum. Right, yeah, that is a leap, isn't it? Um... <laughs> it's almost like it was you living in this town. <laughs> Someone explained Y2K to me, but I wasn't really listening properly. But I think I've got it. So what you're saying is these uh, these people that lived in this town thought that, that computers would basically just freak out. Not in a, like you say, like in a, a programming logic sort of way, but in a almost, uh, I don't know, what's the, what's the computer's word for anthropomorphic i think the computer term for anthropomorphic would be anthropomorphic oh right yes cool okay well then then that <laughs> uh, so they, they yeah they were worried that the, the, that the computers would just kind of freak out in a very uh, very human way so why did that mean that the actual town ended up in a time warp then? I, I, that's the bit I don't really understand. So the residents mistakenly believed that in order to shield their computers from their mistaken belief, they had to trick their computers into thinking that it was still and always would be 1999. So for the last 22 years, 
the town of Yvonne has taken every possible step to keep itself essentially in stasis, keeping every aspect of the town as it was on, at the latest, the 31st of December 1999, all so that their computers don't think it's actually the early 20th century and go, oops, I shouldn't exist, bye! Right, okay, so so they're basically keeping their computers calm and in a in a in a in a period of stasis, uh, essentially, just to make sure that they don't think that that everything's gone wrong with the dates and and yeah. So so this is basically like online behavior then. So it's strictly of the late nineties. So we're talking Ask Jeeves, MSN Messenger, dial-up connections, all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, what it means in practical terms is that the residents of Yvonne have to ensure that everything about the town and themselves is exactly as it was or would have been before the year 2000. So the town's fashion has never advanced beyond 1999, so it's all geometric patterns in neon purple and green. And if anybody needs to buy new clothes, they have to go to a thrift store and find something period appropriate. Same with cars. If you want a new car when you're living in Yvonne, you have to buy one secondhand with the appropriate model and reg number or whatever i don't really know about cars you did very well and of course technology remains as it was in the late 90s so it's all discmans and playstations and and nokia 3210s yeah i mean it's a better time obviously i i, I really enjoyed my nokia 3210 indestructible it's great uh right so how, how this this um town of yvonne chris i mean it sounds it sounds great i'd, I'd obviously love to live there but how, how do they react to visitors rocking up in modern dress listening to like uh, uh music like uh, billy malone uh that wizzo uh post bieber or, or justin eilish well the town of yvonne doesn't really get a lot of visitors i mean it's a small town with mostly old people but anyone who does happen to visit or pass through the town is asked discreetly out of earshot of the computers to play along with the charade There's a shack at each end of town so that those passing through can change into period-appropriate attire when they enter the town and then change back when they leave. And anyone actually staying over in the town is given a complimentary plaid shirt and bucket hat to ease the transition. Right, I mean, I I do... I do hold the 90s in this sort of like, I guess, rose tinted version of reality in my head. And um, what you're what you're doing is you're permeating that and destroying it for me because I'd forgotten about Bucket Hat. <laughs> God, honestly. I mean, at least we didn't have the political climate we've got now. <laughs> it wasn't great, but it was kind of just a bit shit. Now it's just terrifying. So, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'd, I'd still rather live in the 90s, I think. I'd take the Bucket Hat over Donald Trump. Bucket Hat 2024. <laughs> Um, so, so the visitors are asked to play along. So they they go um, to the town, and and surreptitiously, someone comes up to them. I guess they've got, I, I guess they've got like a court, uh, like appointed people that that do this. Um, that they they tell them you've. I mean, how do you explain that to someone? How do you go? It's listen, right? You've got to, you've got to, you've got to. If you're here, we'd really like it if you dressed like you were from the '90s. Obviously, they're going to go. Why? Uh, <laughs> what I imagine happens is somebody goes up. And very confidently says, you know the computers, so they don't know that it's 2021. So if you just put on this plaid shirt and bucket hat, they won't know. Wink. (laughs) Um, My favourite thing would be if they said the word wink. (laughs) Well, it's an audio podcast, so I couldn't just wink because I'd just be winking at my wall. That'd be weird. I don't even fancy my wall. Anyway, uh, <laughs> right. So this is this is all to- totally fine. I mean, I, st- I still I do I would like to visit this place. It would be quite a lot of fun. But I feel like I'd I'd struggle to live there. The people who've been living there they've they've upheld it since since December nineteen ninety nine, and they literally haven't changed since that point. Are there any negative psychological effects that happen to those who travel outside the town to a world living in 2021? Well, as I've said, uh, most of the population of the town of Yvonne are elderly. And I don't think it's actually much different to when old people from normal places travel outside into a world living in the first decades of the 21st century. I mean, if you go to an old person's house, it's basically like going back in time to, at the latest, the 90s. But when they go outside, old people are all like, 
back in my day, we didn't have all these fancy gogs and flash pegs. <laughs> flash pegs? Flash pigs. It's a word I made up to satirise the way old people talk about the modern world. Yes, I, lo- I loved it. So yeah, I don't imagine that when someone from Yvonne might go out to another town that isn't stuck in 1999, I don't imagine that'll be much different to normal old people when they go out. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, has anyone struggled with like things like only having to only being able to play music from 1999, you know, like Fatboy Slim and Hepburn and having to watch The Matrix over and over, over and over for like 20 years? Oh, you'd love it, wouldn't you? I'd fucking adore that. I mean, watching The Matrix and repeat while listening to Third Wave Scar. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying very hard to pick holes in this because I, I'm I'm pretty sure that this is just the, the most amazing discovery ever, and I I would really like to visit the town. So yeah, uh, uh, has anyone struggled? Well, again, being mostly old people, they don't really watch many films or listen to much music from before like 1982. Anyway, of course, they can't watch contemporary TV or listen to contemporary radio. But they do have a library of recordings of various TV and radio programmes from 1999 that they play just in the background of their everyday lives to give their computers a sense of normalcy. Yeah, fair enough. But like, I mean, assume I'm an old person. I I would struggle to watch the same few episodes of... um... And Antiques Roadshow for 20 solid years. You know, I, 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 think, I think I'd go steadily insane. Well, maybe as an old person, you would have forgotten that you'd watch the episode. And each time you'd be like, oh, they got 20 pounds for that. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, our Eric had one just like that. <laughs> Is this your impression of old people? Because I, I think it's possibly quite offensive, but very funny. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've met a few of, of, the, of the older generation who are quite, um, quite, quite hip and with it, you know, quite, quite, you know, wanting to stay with the times and things. So there, there are procedures in place in Yvonne for the residents and, you know, any visitors who don't adhere to the requests to pretend that it's still the late 90s. If anyone does break the illusion of it still being 1999, The residents of Yvonne have a script they're trained to go through where they pretend that the perpetrator is just making a joke so that the computers don't cotton on to the inevitable passage of time. So if somebody passing through the town happens to mention the actual current year or something that happened since 1999, a resident might say something like, What a funny joke you just told! Ha ha ha. Imagine if it was the future year of 2021 and not the current year of 1999, which is the current year that we are in right now. What fun we could have making up crazy events and technological developments that could happen in the future, but haven't happened yet because it is not the future, but the present, which is 1999, the year that it is. A second Gulf War... Britain leaving the European Union? Fidget spinners? What hilarious nonsense you just came up with in your head? Because none of it happened in the real world of 1999, which is the world we are in. But let us leave these flights of fancy behind us and return to the actual events of the current time period we are living in, which is 1999, which is the current year. Like the institution of the Euro, or the Columbine High School Massacre, or Napster. (laughs) Okay, real quick, here's the second fact, it's going to be great, I promise. Is that quick enough? Oh, uh, I've got a few more seconds. Uh, Let's make it count. Uh, Yeah, and then you can say, say, say your thing. How many seconds are left on your intro? No, that was that was it. When I said, and then you can say a thing, that, that, that's what I, I was just saying to you. Then now you can say the fact. Okay, so your intro is over then. Yeah. If you leave all of this in, I'm going to be really cross. Well, of course I am.
A teenager bought his hometown when it was accidentally listed for sale. Uh, Yeah, uh, many people and companies have listed things by accident. Uh, Google once listed google.com as a for sale domain name and it was bought for £2. They managed in this instance, though, to agree to call off the sale, but it, it does happen. So what happened here, Chris? Did it actually? Did he actually go through with the sale? Yeah. So this is another American town. This time, Felicity in Ohio. In two thousand and nine, the town was feeling the effects of the financial crisis that was raging across the world. And in order to raise funds for the town, the local government took to selling off parcels of land on the outskirts of town. But the listing for one particular plot of land, going for only $100, included a typo, or more accurately, an omission, that suggested that it was not the single plot of land that was for sale, but the entire town of Felicity, Ohio. Right, so so it was supposed to be one thing, and they, they, they a, a very simple typo made it look like the whole town was for sale. So the, the listing itself, that wasn't, like, corrected quickly like one might expect with a a little typo error like like that what happened next so 16 year old brandon picitis saw the listing online and being 16 so thinking it would be fun to own his hometown used the money he got from selling stolen cds to buy the plot of land and technically speaking the town of felicity Picitus's first act as the new owner of Felicity was to change the name of the town to something more reflective of its new teenage overlord. Team Fortress 2 noobs get pwned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so presumably this was all rectified pretty quickly, seeing it as it just stemmed from a a typo, right? Well, the Team Fortress 2 noobs get pwned town council, still and possibly illegally operating under the name of the Felicity Town Council, tried to overrule the sale of Team Fortress 2 noobs get pwned to Brandon Picitis, primarily on the grounds that Picitis was a minor and so was not actually allowed to own real estate in the town of Team Fortress 2 News Get Pwned. Also because Team Fortress 2 News Get Pwned was not a name fitting for a town that used to be known throughout Ohio for the quality of its steel springs. Team Fortress 2 News Get Pwned had been the main manufacturer of steel springs before the steel spring market was taken over by China. Anyway, it turned out that a town bylaw made Picatus's purchase of the town legally binding. And to silence any further dissent, Picitus disbanded the Team Fortress 2 Noobs Get Pwned Town Council. Right. So so they, there was actually like a motion to actually reverse this decision. But I guess quite within his rights, Brandon Picitus just, yeah, just dissolved it. Just dissolved the council that was supposed to be, that, that were trying to keep it as Felicity. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, clever kid. I'd have probably, probably done the same. How did the issue get resolved in the end then with no counsel guess it depends how you mean resolved (laughs) okay if you mean resolved in in terms of the status quo being reinstated then it wasn't picatus didn't stop at the town council formerly known as the felicity town council he also dissolved the rest of team fortress 2 noobs get pwned local government and even team fortress 2 noobs get pwned law enforcement at removing all obstacles to his total control of Team Fortress 2 noobs get poked. Brandon Picotis and his friends now roam the streets of an increasingly dilapidated Team Fortress 2 noobs get poked, as if it were their own personal town-shaped playground. They smash things, they loot abandoned shops, they stick doll heads on things. The general population of Team Fortress 2 noobs get pwned has been steadily decreasing over the years, as understandably, many people have no desire to live in a town that now resembles a location in a Fallout game. Another pop culture reference relevant to Picatus's demographic. Right, I mean, okay. <laughs> so so the, um, did you say that they, they, they keep putting doll's heads on things? Is that a normal teenage pastime? Well, it's the kind of thing you see in like post-apocalyptic 
wastelands, isn't it? It's like dolls' heads on stuff. Yes, yes, I suppose. Yeah, okay. So there, so essentially, this is like a dictatorship, then basically, but kind of not organized. And I mean, how's it still going? What, what, like, do people visit? What happens to like any visitors to the town? Like, given it its current state. Well, Team Fortress Two news get pwned. It doesn't get a lot of visitors these days. I mean, who'd want to visit a Fallout-style wasteland? I mean, I'd go. I mean, no, I no, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd be very scared and I'd feel very out of my depth, actually. But I'd like to play it as a game. Well, just play Fallout then. Um, the few visitors Team Fortress 2 noobs get pwned does get tend to be journalists writing about the town or envoys from the state or federal government. And these are usually captured by Picaitis' enforcers and brought before Picaitis and his lieutenants, who call themselves the Tribunal. Brilliant. And the Tribunal convenes in the the remains of the Town Council building, which is now covered in graffiti and doll's heads. Where are they getting all these doll's heads? <laughs> from the doll shop they keep looting. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, okay. Is the situation likely to change at any point, do we think? Or or, 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 may, or is someone actually going to step in and change things for them? Or, or you know, what's going to happen? Is this it for the town? At the moment, the state and federal governments are happy to leave Team Fortress 2 noobs get pwned, as it is, as long as Picaitis and his enforcers, who call themselves the Brotherhood of Steel, don't try to spread their particular video game-inspired anarchy to nearby settlements. However, should Team Fortress 2 noobs get pwned, do anything silly, like invade nearby towns, or secede from the Union, or try to breed super mutants, then action will have to be taken. I mean, do you know what? I think that is... They're, 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 pre- they're being pretty fair there, I think. As long as there's no super mutants, <laughs> just... Have at it. So has everyone left the town then, apart from the the the, the teenagers in charge? Or is are people just sort of cowering in there in the in the, in the in the houses on the outskirts? Or what? Like, is it just a wasteland now, essentially? Uh, there might be a few people cowering. It's um, it's difficult to get a reliable information about the town, as most you know journalists who visit there end up being imprisoned or booted out of town, minus their clothes and possessions. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So it's 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 possible, I suppose. But I mean, this is it's it's very weird situation, isn't it? I mean, it's not normal, Chris. None of this is very normal. So this kid, um, Brandon uh, Pekaitis, he, he's um, I mean, he's obviously a very naughty boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> did his did his parents not like just just I mean, surely like he'd have had a had a they could have just had a word and just gone like, listen, stop being a dickhead. We need the, we need we need the. <laughs> We need the council and we need all of this sort of stuff to stay in place. Otherwise, it's all just going to go to shit. All right. What did they not? What, where were his parents in all this, Chris? Well, I mean, first of all, if they're the kind of parents who call the kid a dickhead, it's no wonder this happened. And secondly, so because of this first act was to rename the town of Felicity to Team Fortress 2 Noobs Get Pwned. His second act before dissolving the town council was obviously to throw his parents in jail. Right, yeah, that'll do it, won't it? Um, and they've been languishing there ever since. Oh, great! So, any any hope that the town did have of of maybe sort of coming back from the brink of um, apocalypse, I guess, is the only word for it. I mean, it's just been completely ruined. Has has just basically been thrown in jail. Okay, fine. So so they're screwed. This is just going to be like this forever, isn't it, Chris? I I think maybe. Uh, I mean, that is kind of the the, the nature of a post apocalyptic wasteland, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I reckon they'll regret it at some point, though. They'll be like, yeah, we're in charge of nothing. They'll, the the realisation of what they've done will come crashing down around them. Don't you worry, Chris. Good. Because I'm sure you, I'm sure you were. It's, it's been playing on your mind, I'm sure. I've not been able to sleep since researching this fact. Those dulled heads haunt my dreams. Right, I've got the uh, third fact intro written down this time. Um, here we go. Whoops. Oh, hey, hang on. I've, dro- I've dropped the notepad. It was something, something about something about three's uh, magic number or something. I mean, it was it was a fully formed thought, Chris. Honest. Can't you pick up your notepad and read it? 
Yeah, it's behind the. It's gone behind the computer. Hang on, hang on, listen. Well, you know what, Piper? Yeah, me and the listener will wait until you've retrieved your notepad because I'm sure whatever you had written down is going to be brilliant. I believe in you, Piper. Fuck. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that because I've got nothing. But you knew that. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I tell you what. Why don't we do the third fact? And and then we'll pick up where we left off after. Pick up on what? On, um, well, I guess we could just have a chat about how terrible I've done on this so far. See me after class doors. <laughs> a school sports day is mired in a doping controversy. Uh, yeah, good. Well, I mean, school, school sports day is the event of the year for a lot of children, isn't it, Chris? I mean, they, like, they, they go nuts for it, a lot of them. For the rest of us... It is absolute hell from start to finish. I'll be honest, if I could have had a little bit of something to get me through the day, I, I'd have done it, no questions. Bit of crack to take the edge off during the egg and spoon race? Yep, perfectly reasonable. But what happened at this particular school, though, Chris? So Spencer Primary School in Staffordshire, like most schools in Britain, has a sports day. A wonderful day when the children's education is suspended and they're forced to go outside and jump around in sacks and inefficiently transport eggs. School sports days bear a superficial resemblance to actual professional athletic events. There's running and jumping, although the Olympic Committee has so far, perhaps rightly, refused to recognise the egg and spoon race as a real sport. But the Spencer Primary School Sports Day mirrors real athletics in another significant way. For many years, the school's sports day has been embroiled in what basically amounts to a series of doping controversies, with many parents being accused of enhancing their children's performances. Right. I mean, obviously that's... That's awful. What sort of things have the uh, the parents been doing then? So rumblings of the controversy were first heard when in the early 2000s, teachers at Spencer Primary School noticed that some of the children appeared more enthusiastic, jittery and even aggressive than usual. Further investigation revealed that these children had been given sugary fizzy drinks and sweets packed with E-numbers prior to the events in which they were participating. For our international listeners, E-numbers are the various food additives designated by the European Union, hence E, some of which are popularly thought to negatively affect children's behaviour. Since then, many parents have been suspected of or caught pumping their children full of Vimto and wine gums to make them faster or stronger or at least more liable to punch the other kids. One particular parent was found to have been feeding her child what was called a confectionery speedball before each <laughs> sports day, <laughs> which was uh, Smarties and Skittles dissolved in a bottle of a fruit twist fanta <laughs> oh joking aside chris that sounds fucking great <laughs> <laughs> right you're gonna hear from me this week because i'm gonna try that before my 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 shift at work. Okay. I mean, don't say they're going to blame me. It's your decision to try it. I'm not. No, I don't mean like that. You're going to hear from me because I'm going to report back. I'm just going to let you know how it goes. Not as in like you'll 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 be hearing from my lawyer. Like I just. <laughs> oh right. I mean, okay. So uh, when you said like there, there was like doping controversies and stuff, I I don't know. I thought I thought you meant dope. But like so, I mean, I I I I obviously know as you know, just someone who lives in a world populated by a number of children. That's a weird way of putting it. I know. I regretted it as soon as I said it. Well, there's a lot of kids in the planet in planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a weird. I mean, everybody lives in this world that has that happens by chance to have children in it. There's no need to make a big deal out of it, Piper. I mean, I'm just I'm just framing what I'm going to say with, like, you know, the reality of our situation that 
there's children. They, <laughs> they exist. And right, so as we all know, children exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I no, I just sort of, sort of mean like you know having having grown up around hyperactive children and um, you know seeing them being complete twats on an almost constant basis. I, Giving them sugary fizzy drinks and and e numbers and all of that is just it's just a terrible idea generally. But I didn't know that that wouldn't be a like. I mean, it's just inadvisable. I I didn't think you'd you'd, you'd get pulled up for doing that at an event or like a or, or a sports event or or any sort of event. I mean, I mean, what is that? Is that the worst thing they've done then? Is that is it just fizzy drinks and stuff they've given the kids? Well, that's like the the main part of it. Of course, getting hopped up on sugar and e-numbers doesn't guarantee victory in all the events of a traditional school sports day. Some of the games require more than just a surplus of manic energy. Consequently, some parents at Spencer Primary School have been accused of not only chemically enhancing their children's performances, but also of rigging some of the games. Parents have been suspected of or caught perpetrating nefarious schemes such as cutting leg holes in the sack, lubing up one half of the tug-o'-war rope, and even gluing the egg to the spoon. One parent, a veritable evil mastermind if there ever were one, was so intent on her sprog winning every event that she not only filled him up with sugar and e-numbers and glued his egg to his spoon, but also replaced the performance enhancers of her rival parents with the sugar-free variants. Oh my god, that is devious. That's. I mean, is it fucking worth it for bloody sports day, Chris? I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I don't really see the the point in all of this. Really, it's not. It's just. I mean, what are they going to achieve? I mean, some parents, man. Honestly, I mean, some some parents really are like that, though. I, I, I mean, you know, for our for our listeners that haven't had to deal with a lot of militant, terrifying mothers or fathers, they're just they they can get really competitive. And it's. I mean, I don't know if, if you've ever seen the what, what is it like, um, dancing mums or whatever it is on the telly. They're horrible. Why are they so horrible? Dancing mums on the telly. No, I've not seen dancing mums on the telly. No, no. I mean, it's a. I think it's a show. I think it's called Dancing Mums. About mums who dance. No, I knew you'd pull me up on this. Listen, no, <laughs> no. It's mothers of of dancing children. So actually, yeah. Now I think about it, the title is. Oh, so it should be called Dancing Children then. It should be, but I feel like that might actually attract the wrong kind of crowd. Okay, but that suggests that there's some people tuning into Dancing Mums. And then being sorely disappointed that their kink has not been fulfilled. This show's for pedos, not for milf lovers. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, my point is, Chris, that, that 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 there's this pointless overcompetitiveness that I just don't understand. Um, has justice ever been served for these uh, uh, unsportsmanlike sporting misdemeanours, Chris? Well, though many of the accusations thrown around at Spencer Primary School's sport day are just that, accusations, perhaps spread by parents to get their rivals' children disqualified. Some parents are caught cheating or engaging in confectionery-based doping. And in 2015, an investigation by the school board found that several winners of previous years had achieved victory through less than fair means and consequently were stripped of their medals, trophies and rosettes. Most shocking of all was that one of those stripped of their awards was a young woman who went on to represent Great Britain at the Olympics. Right, I, I, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna circle back to the Olympics thing because that's very fascinating. Um, what when you say stripped of their their medals and trophies and things, what fucking sports days have they been going to? I didn't have a bloody trophy or a medal at my sports day. I just had a fucking pat on the back. I, I didn't get anything. Is that because you didn't win anything? Right. Yes. I mean, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> I didn't win anything. But like, right. So this this one this one athlete she went went on to the olympics so the, the organizers of the olympics commented on uh, on this uh, on this athlete's dark past they did conduct an investigation into her past olympic performances and unfortunately found no evidence of actual doping just a habit of before each event eating a bag of midget gems 
and washing them down with a bottle of Panda Pops. Right. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, they're they're not going to really be bothered by that, Chris, are they? I mean, I don't really know much about the Olympics, but generally they're not really bothered by sugar. Chris, what was your favourite sport on sports day? I always enjoyed the challenging yet rewarding sport of trying to avoid taking part in sports day because sport is stupid and I hate it. I guess in terms of the actual sports that they did at sports day, I kind of liked the sack race because you could just fall over at the beginning of the race and then have a nice lie down for a while. Ah, right. So you extended your uh, avoiding sports to the actual sport as well. So like, like not only trying to avoid sports day in general, you know, I don't know, just sort of like, oh, I got stuck in the library or something. <laughs> um, that was me. Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> All these books fell on me by accident. Guess I can't do sports day. Yeah. But if you do, have, unfortunately, have to find like, you know, if that for whatever reason doesn't work, um, you find... <laughs> God forbid you actually ended up in an actual sport during sports day. So you'd, uh, you'd, you'd, basically, you'd basically try and just be openly shit at it just so you don't have to do anything other than just a li- maybe, maybe a couple of steps in the sack and then, and then just sit down and have a, maybe have a sleep on the track. Or a read. Or a read. <laughs> Take a book into the sack. Yeah. <laughs> what, would you, what would you read on, on, on your sack race? Um... I guess if we're talking primary school, um, trying to think what I, kind of books I read back then. See, I thought you were going to be an arsehole and say Dostoevsky or something. <laughs> In the original Russian. Yeah. Good. Well, I, do you want to hear my favourite sport, Chris? I suppose. I, I kind of only want to say this just to work out whether or not it was real. <laughs> and I, cause... It was the dragon race. <laughs> I'm wondering now if, uh, if I... I just sort of blacked out at the beginning of sports day and just made up the whole thing because no, there was this, there was genuinely there was a sport where it was in the gym and we were told you put one hand on the table and then you use the other hand to dart between two dots either side of your hand and they count the number of times you do it. What? No, I know it was mental and I think it was just sort of like a a, a there, there were there were lots and lots of weird sport like weird sort of fringe sports on this sports day that I did. And and there were lots like that. They they had um, they actually had tiddlywinks as well. And and so but I was really bloody good at this little hand thing. Well, so explain it again because I'm not entirely sure I followed. I mean it sounds mental, Chris, and I will I will forgive you for thinking I'm making this up, but I'm genuinely not. No, we had this sport where where you'd put your hand on the on the on a table and there'd be a, a dot on either side of your hand where you're supposed to use your other hand to move as quickly as you can. Like, 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 so basically tap one dot, then tap the other dot as quickly as you can, like over and over again in the space of like, I don't know, uh, 30 seconds or whatever. And then someone would be there with a clipboard timing how, like counting how many times you've done it in however much time. And then the winner probably got some sort of certificate. I don't know. But yeah, that was, that was my favorite one. Cause I was like, well, cool. I can just use, a very small amount of agility to do this and i was i was genuinely like quite high up on the list i was like great i can this is a sport i can do right my initial question is why i think it's something to do with um like testing motor skills um or just you know you know i think though chris i think it's one one for the people who ate sports day like i can't do running I can't do... What's the other stuff in sports day? Egg and spoon. It's still running, isn't it? What's the other stuff that's not running? Egg, sack race. Well, that's kind of running as well. What's the non-track stuff? Uh, the tug of war. Tug, tug, tug of war, yes. Um, and the jumpy ones. I mean, I can't do any of them, really. I mean, I've not, I've not got super arm strength, but I can do stuff quickly. So I can, like... I was, yeah, I was kind of good at just sort of faffing about. So if they've got, like, a faffing about sport, I'm fine. So, so I, I was really good at that. Is that what you do when you're late for this podcast? You're just like at your table pressing two dots. Right, keeping it very simple this time because Chris's facts are bloody great. Let's be honest. Here is the final fact of the show. Uh, over to you, Chris. Um, how many seconds are left on this intro? 
I mean, you can just we can just wait it out if you want. Okay, but how long do I have to wait then? Do you have an exact time? No, I don't because I mean this is an arbitrary thing, really, isn't it? I've I've just made this up. I've made the constraints up for the concepts of the joke itself. So joke isn't quite the right word. <laughs> okay, well we're getting into semantics now, Chris, and that's you know. I... Worshippers of lightning gods try to get struck by lightning. Uh, religious people do a lot of silly things, don't they, Chris? Yes, they do. I mean, we talk, yeah, we talk about it a lot on uh, on on this very podcast itself. Um, so I'm I'm not going to list all of the silly things, but yeah, here's another stupid thing people do in the name of religion. Tell us more, Chris. So many ancient civilizations had gods of thunder and lightning, and though their civilizations may be just ruins, and the gods themselves reduced to appearing in Disney films and Neil Gaiman books. There are still a few people who worship ancient deities like Ishkur, the Babylonian thunder god, Set, the naughty Egyptian god of storms, the Slavic thunder god Perun, Raijin, the angry Japanese thunder god, Indra, the Hindu god of thunder, Zolotl, Aztec god of lightning, and twin of the Final Fantasy VIII guardian force Quetzalcoatl. And of course, Zeus, head of the Greek pantheon and shape-shifting adulterer. And Thor, Norse thunder boy and DIY enthusiast. (laughs) Every year, followers of these deities gather at the Catatumbo River in Venezuela, the site of the most lightning strikes in the world, where lightning can strike over 280 times an hour. Wow. Okay. So, so first of all, it's really cool that you that we know where the most lightning strikes are in the world, and that it's that often. That is that is actually genuinely quite surprising. I I didn't know that at all. But so they, these these worshippers, they they well, they just turn up every day and 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 just like check out the lightning. I mean, it sounds pretty reckless, to be honest, Chris. I mean, that's not the place. It's one of the, of all the places in the world I'd want to be. It's not where I'd want to go. Why, why, why did they go there then? What, what, what's the deal? Well, don't go there every day, like you said. It's every year, like I said. Yes, like you said. <laughs> I should just, I should just, I should. What I should do is reference what you're saying rather than the stuff I'm making up. So these lightning lovers spend their time at Catatumbo River, actively trying to get struck by lightning, seeing it as a blessing from their chosen deity. It must be a natural lightning strike, so to speak, to be deemed as having originated from a god. And cheating by artificially upping your chances of being struck is frowned upon. So no standing under trees or carrying your own lightning rod. This isn't Spencer Primary School Sports Day, after all. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you could be like, well, oh, oh, it looks like it's raining. I'm just going to put up this rather large umbrella. Uh, that that also happens to be like just a big stick of metal. So they don't like that. That's fair enough. You can't cheat at this uh, this very serious game of trying to get yourself struck by lightning. Is that right? So all of these, all of these, <laughs> are you telling me all of these, all of these worshippers of different light lightning gods just hang out together and assume it's their own particular chosen lightning god running the show? I mean, do they all get on? Well, worshippers have their own cultural and personal reasons for following whichever thunder god they have pledged their allegiance to. But sometimes if someone sees a follower of another god getting struck more than themselves, they might defect to that god. So like glory supporters in the football. Of course, if someone switches from, say, Ishkur to Perun and then gets struck by lightning... Is it a blessing from Perun or a sign of Ishkura's wrath? I mean, it's the age-old question, isn't it, Chris? The age-old question that has vexed philosophers since the dawn of time. <laughs> well, so let's talk about these um, one 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 worshipper getting struck more than another worshipper. Like these 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 people who worship specific gods and stuff. Can they? they, they so they are you telling me they sometimes get struck by lightning numerous times then? Well, most worshippers will get struck by lightning maybe once or twice over their lifetime, if they're lucky or unlucky, however you view that. But one worshipper, a follower of Thor, was struck by lightning more than a hundred times over his life. He was apparently so blessed by the gods 
that upon his death, he was himself elevated to godhood by his fellow worshippers. So the ranks of lightning gods now include Zeus, Thor, Ishkur, Set, Wyjin, Indra, Zolotl, and Gary. Good old Gary. So Gary, you're telling me, he, he, he was struck by more than 100 bolts of lightning over his life. And, and then when he died, he, he got to be one of, the, one of the gods that he worshipped. I mean, that's brilliant. How did he die? From being struck by lightning? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> so this guy, the fucking hell, this worshipper that was struck by more than 100 bolts of lightning, do you, or just the Institute at large, do you, have you got any theories on how, how, how they managed to survive being struck over 100 times? Well, ultimately, he didn't. Well, yes. Yes, no, I know. But, like, you know, he, 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 he gave it a good go. <laughs> But I mean, so when Gary did finally die, he was suffering from an entire medical textbook worth of injuries and disabilities, including cataracts, hearing loss, first, second and third degree burns, paralysis of the entire left side of his body and continuous incontinence. Chris, um, so we've talked about Gods of Lightning quite a lot in this fact because that's what's it, what it's about. <laughs> it's funny, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so the subject matter has actually come up quite a lot during the fact. The subject of the fact came up quite a lot during the fact, yes. Yes, it did. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, 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 so Lightning Gods aside, or, or Thunder Gods, if you want to sound more dramatic, if you could be a god of something, Chris, what would it be and why? Well, gods in ancient pantheons often had extensive portfolios. They weren't the god of just one thing, but of several things. For example, Zeus was not only the god of lightning, but also of the marketplace oaths, and hospitality. And Thor was not just the god of thunder, but also of strength, trees, and male fertility. So I would be the god of facts, but also the god of recursion, facts about facts, repetition, recursion, facts about facts about facts, repetition, recursion, facts about facts about facts about facts, repetition, Recursion. Facts about facts about facts about facts about facts. Repetition. <laughs> recursion. Facts about facts about facts about facts about facts about facts. Repetition. Recursion. Facts about facts about facts about facts about facts about facts about facts. Non sequiturs. <laughs> and antelope. <laughs> and what would you be a goddess of, Piper? So I think I think um, I think I take a lot of my cues for like what I'm good at from from this podcast, Chris. So I good think God, oh, sorry, goddess. <laughs> I think I think I'm I, you know I'm 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 clearly you know clearly quite good at um, pissing you off. So I think I think I think God of God of God of annoying Chris would be. And it's a very specific thing to be the deity of i mean if you're like some kind of eternal being but your entire portfolio is centered around a single mortal being and that's going to be a lot of downtime either side no that is true but i mean like you said that they, they, these these the, the, the greek gods and they they had like a lot of things that they were gods of it wasn't just one thing so i mean you know like like did you say it was zeus was god of the marketplace as well as god of uh, god of thunder and you know, obviously, I'm 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 glad he, he led with the headline, obviously, because um, it's not quite as quite as impressive sounding. You got in the marketplace, is it? Well, given the uh, the rise of capitalism, I think it's probably his more important role. Surely, um, instead of throwing thunderbolts, he could throw stock options. <laughs> um. So, but yeah. So, um, obviously, God, God of annoying Chris. But like, I think. Um, I think I think also get God maybe you know given my cues from what you've what you've what you the feedback you've given me on this podcast I think God of getting things wrong I think would probably be quite high up there and that is more of a general thing as well that's not just related to you that's just and you know I don't know if you know this about me Chris but that that is true of me outside of the podcast as well but if you're the God of getting things wrong what if you're wrong about being the God of getting things wrong well we can you know that's very optimistic of you 
But I think given given the evidence, well, they could just be wrong about it. Oh, so but what? So I'm not the god of getting things wrong. But if I'm wrong about that, then maybe I am the. <laughs> That's the, the the joke I was trying to make, Viper. That, that's the end of this episode. You've been listening to Chickens Can't See Cubes with me, Piper Doors. I can be found on Twitter at Piper Talks and Christopher Parr from the Munchausen Institute. I can be found on Twitter at Trilby Norton and the Institute can be found at Muin Photo Ray Ray, which is M-U-I-N-F-O-T-O-R-E-R-E. And you can contact the podcast on Twitter at cubes and facebook and instagram at chickens can't see cubes please be sure to rate and review the episode on whichever platform you use it helps us out thank you for listening to chickens can't see cubes and remember you probably could make it up but we haven't honest and we'll catch you once again on next week's show goodbye bye Wonderful. Well, that's, I mean, that's all we could ask for really, isn't it? Like, I, I think that's, a, that's a, that's a, that's a lovely thing to, to, to happen to you after you die. Be a, be a lightning God. What do they do other than, you know, do they have any, any, any other fun things that they can do? They just hang out with each other and laugh at the humans. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know what they get up to primarily because they don't actually exist. Ah, right. Yeah. That is a handicap. I had before. <laughs> that is a handicap. Yes. <laughs> imagine having a a disabled sticker on your car because you don't exist <laughs> imagine being like a a traffic warden and seeing a car parked in the handicap space so you go up and say are you actually handy oh wait there's no one here <laughs> wait so is the is the person parked illegally having an existential crisis or is the traffic warden having an existential crisis then well, no one's having an existential crisis because, I mean, the person who doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. So they can't have an existential crisis. They've got no existence to question. Right. Well, well, if if you can either exist or not, then how come existential crises happen at all then? I... Because they happen to beings who do exist, who have been given cause to question their existence, or at least the meaning of their existence. It sounds like they need a sticker to say you do exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what we'll what we'll do is we'll have a, a sticker for people that don't exist and a sticker for people that do exist, and then we won't have any more existential crises. It'll put an end to all of that. When I'm president, gonna... I suppose the good thing about that is you actually need to print any stickers for people who don't exist. Because they don't exist and so can't wear stickers. That's true. I am questioning how we got here now. <laughs> <laughs>